0: The following audio is by Crossfield Baptist Church. More information about Crossfield Baptist Church is available online at www.crossfieldbaptist.com. Tonight, I want to ask you this question. How far would you go in order to rescue someone? How far would you go in order to save someone's life? Uh, Maybe it matters who this person is. Uh, If it's someone that you know, if it's someone that you love, uh, maybe it would be easy to do anything in order to rescue them. Uh, If it was just a stranger or an acquaintance, someone that you don't really know all that well, it might be a little bit harder. Uh, And perhaps it would be the most difficult for you uh, to go out of your way to rescue someone that you really don't get along with very well. How far would you go? Certainly, you would go out of your way, Uh, you would make a sacrifice, but could you put your own life at risk in order to save someone else? This week, I've been reading story after story of doctors and nurses, healthcare workers uh, who have been putting their lives on the line in order to rescue others. Um, that, you know, we're living through this uh, pandemic right now with COVID-19. And and so uh, that there are those who are working on the front lines that we understand that they are probably going to be the most affected by this virus. Uh, Though we're struggling here in Canada right now, uh, that there are other countries around the world, uh, like Italy, that were far less prepared. They were caught off guard by the early days of this crisis. And so you read stories of doctors, of nurses, uh, taking care of the first few patients, and then they got more and more, and and slowly they were feeling overwhelmed by the amount of patients that they were seeing. And then things got even worse as their co-workers began to get sick. And so you read a story of a doctor having to put a a fellow uh, doctor onto a respirator because he has fallen ill during this time. Uh, and so, as you're reading a story like that, you realize that these doctors, these nurses are, are no longer simply working at the hospital in order to get a paycheck. That's obviously the re- no longer the reason why they're going back to work day after day, um, but instead that they are driven in order to go back to rescue these people. And certainly you'd want them to do the same thing for you, and if you had the medical training You would want to do the same thing for others around you. Uh, This week I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, Jeremy Norton, and he brought up the fact that the drive inside of us uh, to rescue others, even when it's putting our own lives at risk, uh, cannot be attributed to an evolutionary response, uh, but instead points to our Creator. Uh, That we know that rescuing others, uh, even when it's putting ourselves at a risk, is good. That it's worthy to be celebrated because it's what God himself has done for us. Today we are celebrating Good Friday. Uh, It's a time when Christians all around the world uh, remember the the somber fact uh, that Christ was brutally tortured, that his body was broken, that he was crucified on a cross for us. That what he went through goes beyond anything that we could possibly imagine. And yet we call this Good Friday. Uh, We consider his sacrifice good news because of what it means for us. And uh, the Apostle Peter, in his first letter, uh, talks about why this is good news. And so I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 21. It says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in revelant fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. The main thing I want to take away from this passage, uh, the good news that we're seeing in this passage is this, is that Jesus paid the price for your rescue that you could never afford. He paid the price for your rescue that you could never afford. This is so important to understand, and I believe that this will actually uh, impact and change your life when you begin to understand it. And so first, it's important to understand our need for rescue from sin. Uh, Peter makes it clear in verse 18 that we all need to be redeemed. The ESV uses the word ransomed. uh, So no no matter what translation you're using, uh, the main thing he's getting across is this idea of being rescued. And, And what I love in this passage is Peter really gives no nuance to what he's talking about. Uh, he doesn't say, you know, um, there's some of you uh, who were born into good families. You've been living a good life. You go to church uh, every week and you give regularly uh, and you guys are fine. But, you know, there's these other people who have a past, who uh, made a real mess of things, uh, you know, years ago. And so uh, they need to repent. Uh, he he doesn't give any kind of nuance like that whatsoever. Uh, instead, he says that everyone needs to be rescued. Without Christ, we're completely lost in our sin. As Paul explains in, verse, or in Romans chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 23, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you fall short, uh, what can you do in that moment? Uh, for many of us, we've had a hard time understanding what it means to fall short. Uh, Think about it. Like there was a time uh, when you would go out shopping and and all the money that you could spend was just the physical money you had on you. Uh, And and so if you ran out of money, you can't shop anymore. You just you had to go home. Uh, But now most people have a a debit card and so they can just uh, use that and they can keep on shopping. And if they run out of money there, what they can use is a credit card. Uh, that they can just put on their credit card and pay it off another day. At least that's usually the plan. But the reality is is that you still need to have the money in your account to use that debit card. Or if you use your credit card, that bill is eventually going to come your way. And what happens when that bill comes and you don't have enough to pay it off? Uh, What if there's no way to pay it? If you can't even pay the minimum amount, that's when people begin to look for outside help. Because we all fall short of God's standards, it doesn't matter how good of a life you have lived, you still will never be able to rescue yourself. Only once we begin to recognize our need for rescue from sin, can things begin to actually change. Uh, and, And we don't really like to hear that we need to be rescued, Uh, Like when you watch a movie, if you watch uh, a superhero movie especially, uh, we'll often put ourselves in the shoes of the hero. That we want to be like Captain America or or Spider-Man or any of these kind of characters. We want to be the person who's rescuing uh, others around them. Or or maybe ground this a little bit more in reality. Uh, We would far rather be a firefighter running into a burning building than actually have our house burned down. You see, the good news today isn't that you are the hero. Uh, That's not what I'm going to say here. I'm not going to say that you rescue yourselves. uh, Here's the 10 steps to living a perfect life. Uh, The good news is that Jesus is the hero. And he does a far better job than, than you or I could ever possibly do. And so what we need to recognize in this passage is that there's no other way to be rescued outside of Christ. In verse 18, Peter explains that there are uh, two ways that people often try to rescue themselves and neither of them work. First, he says uh, that things like silver and gold cannot rescue us. Uh, And he calls these perishable things, uh, which I find really interesting because silver and gold are considered to be some of the most stable elements that we have. And, but it never really goes bad. It never really decays. Uh, as jewelry, silver and gold can be passed down from generation to generation. Uh, we find silver and gold in, in tombs that have been sealed for thousands of years. Uh, gold is particularly useful nowadays. We, like if you have a phone, there's, there's gold elements inside of that device. And when you recycle it, they'll break it apart, take that gold out, and, and reuse it in other devices. And so it would make more sense, as we're reading this, if he was talking about perishable items, like perishable grain. Uh, We know that grain, uh, that food can rot, or or maybe uh, perishable garments, that you can wear clothes for a little while, and eventually they'll wear out uh, and no longer be useful at all. And yet, compared to what we have in Christ, silver and gold seem worthless absolutely worthless. Uh, I think that in nowadays that we trust far too heavily in our wealth. If this letter had been written today, Peter might have talked about uh, retirement savings or nice vacations or, or the latest technology or having a brand new truck, that when we have these things, we feel that life is just perfect. It couldn't get any better when we have these things. That and when we have them, we really don't think about our, our need for redemption or a rescue. But it's when life gets difficult, when we face significant challenges, that's when our perspective begins to change. Our world has been turned upside down over the last few weeks, and, and now everyone is asking the same question. Everyone's wondering, like, what is life really all about? The other way that people try to rescue themselves is through doing good works or following tradition. Uh, In verse 18, Peter talks about the need to be redeemed uh, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Uh, The people that Peter is writing to uh, have been given a way to live their life. Uh, From the culture around them, they've been told, if you live your life this way, then things are going to go well for you. Uh, that this is the way that you save your soul. Uh, and yet it seemed to be completely worthless. Uh, our culture does the same thing as well. Uh, if you go to uh, chapters at the mall, uh, you go into the bookstore, you will find countless uh, self-help books on the walls there. Uh, and, and they're all about how to be thin or how to get rich, how to live your best life now. Or if you go online, you can uh, find tons of videos of young entrepreneurs who shoot these videos in tropical locations, and they say that if you buy their course, uh, then you too can live this kind of life. What we need to understand, though, is that pretty much all of this is fake, especially those videos. Uh, You know, I'd hate to be the person actually in paradise still shooting videos for an online course and trying to sell. I'd rather just go on vacation. Uh, But all of these things are are fake. Uh, Even if you could follow every step that they give in order to have six-packs abs, to have tons of money in the bank, ultimately, at the end of your life, you'd find it to be worthless. And we know this is true because there's always something in the news of of some kind of a celebrity uh, who's caught up in scandal, that they have tons of money, uh, that they have um, you know, that they're really wealthy and, and healthy and everything's great, and yet they're still struggling with what's the purpose of life. Uh, we need to be careful as a church that we don't fall into the trap of tradition as well. Uh, you know, I actually grew up in a church where I was uh, quite literally told uh, that the only way to be a Christian is in order to, is to sing uh, hymns that have been written in a hymn book. Uh, and this makes absolutely no sense if you think about it, because there are Christians all around the world who don't have a hymn book, and nowhere uh, in the Bible does that ever say that that is the way that you are saved. And yet there are Christians who uh, who strongly believed uh, that this part of their tradition was essential in being a Christian. Uh, or you can think about something more recent. Um, I know for many people that they are struggling right now with their faith Because they can't meet here on Sunday mornings. That their entire lives, to be a Christian, means that you go to church every single Sunday. And yet they're struggling, they're trying to figure out, how am I actually to be a follower of Christ if I can't gather with other people during this time? And that's an important question to ask. And it's important to understand, well, where is your faith, where is your hope for the future Wealth, good works, tradition, none of these can rescue us. Scripture makes it clear that only Jesus can rescue our souls. Uh, We are rescued by the precious blood of Christ. And we see in the Gospels that everything in Jesus' life has led up to this moment. Uh, That he was betrayed, that he was put on trial, that he was nailed to the cross, that he was killed for our sake. He paid the punishment for our souls so we might be ransomed, so we might be rescued and set free. And Peter calls Jesus a lamb without blemish or defect. Throughout his writing, Peter keeps uh, bringing up Israelites' imagery uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, throughout his letter, he keeps on kind of referring to, even though he's talking to uh, these Gentile uh, believers, he keeps on referring back to the Old Testament. And so uh, here he's referring to the Passover lamb. At the very first Passover, uh, the Israelites were told that they were to slaughter a lamb and to put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel of the doors entering into their homes. And so by doing this, uh, that they would be spared the night that the angel of the Lord entered into into the land. Uh, That in the final act of God uh, that would persuade Pharaoh to allow the Israelites to leave the land, uh, that the angel of the Lord would go throughout the land uh, of Egypt and kill the firstborn of everyone who has not put the blood of the lamb on their doors. Uh, Don Carson, who's a scholar and theologian, uh, he does a really good job explaining uh, what the Passover must have felt like for these Jewish people. And he kind of gives this imagery of, of two Jewish men uh, talking the afternoon before the Passover meal. Uh, and so one of them, he's quite nervous, and he goes up to his neighbor and he asks him, you know, are, are you worried uh, about what's going to happen tonight? Are you, are you scared at all? And his neighbor replies back that he's not scared at all, that he he fully trusts in the promises of God. And, and so he asks him, well, well, haven't you put the blood on the door? And, and haven't you packed your bags? Aren't you ready? And, and the nervous neighbor says, yeah, I've done all of that. But you know, I only, I only have one son, just one. You know, what if this doesn't work? What if I lose my child? And Carson, he explains it this way. He says, you know, throughout that That evening, the angel of the Lord goes throughout the land, and anyone who doesn't put the blood on the door that their firstborn son is killed that night. And he asks the question of these two neighbors, the nervous one, the one that's confident, who lost their son that night? And he gives the answer. He says, neither of them. Both have put the blood of the lamb on their door, so neither of them have lost their son that night he says that the strength of their faith had nothing to do with what happened, that they were rescued by the power of the blood of the lamb. All you need is a little faith. The blood of Jesus is more than adequate to redeem you. It's not the intensity of your faith that saves you, uh, but it's the object of your faith that saves your soul. And so in your very best moments, where you have just been doing everything right in your life, the assurance of your salvation is still based upon the blood of the Lamb. And in your worst moments, where you have messed up everything, that you would be ashamed to tell anyone, even in a whisper of, of what you've done, in that moment as well, that you, that your assurance is still based upon the blood of the of the Lamb. It's amazing that we see in verse 20 that Jesus' death on the cross is not God's plan B for your life. That Jesus was always prepared to lay down his life for us. That the Passover and all of the Old Testament was just a prelude to what God's ultimate plan was going to be that Christ would lay down his life as a sacrifice for you. That he would be able to give you hope through all of this. And he did this while we're still stuck in our sin, while we're still really rebels against God. Romans chapter five, verses six to eight says this. You see, just at the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you are a follower of Christ today, my hope is that hearing the good news again, hearing this gospel, that your heart will be filled with greater love and affection for Christ. Uh, That you wouldn't try to live your life in order to impress God by any means, but instead that through this uh, worship of him that you would, uh, from that, that that would fuel your conversations Uh, that your love for Christ would actually direct how you parent your kids and how you deal with stress in your life. And if you've never repented, the opportunity is right now. My invitation to you is that you would actually confess your sins to God, that you would actually say that you want Christ to rescue you and save you. That this Good Friday, this Easter weekend, that all of this, Is so that you would be rescued, that your soul would be ransomed. That Jesus has paid a price for your rescue that you could never afford. You just have to accept what He has done. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you. The sacrifice that you made on the cross that you would die for our sins but you would not stay dead you would not stay in that grave and, but in a few days we will celebrate the resurrection we would celebrate easter lord we thank you all that you've done in our lives we pray this in your precious name amen thank you for listening to audio by crossfield baptist church Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. More information about Crossfield Baptist Church is available online at www.crossfieldbaptist.com.